Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee on Ridgeview Parkway between Highway F and 164. We are also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. And we service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Jack Wallace. Director of Governmental and Lender Relations at YReFi, a firm that specializes in private student loan restructuring. And he's an expert on student loans and student loan forgiveness and all these great things that we've been hearing about in the news. And it is going to be just a wonderful conversation to learn more about really what's happening, how it's impacting people, how it impacts the government, and um, a lot of different things. So, Jack, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Heather, thank you very much for having me, and it's nice to be with you and your viewers. Yeah, thank you. So let's just dive in. If you want to um, tell a little bit about yourself, and then certainly we can get into kind of what's been going on with student loans these last few years and how how we are at the place we are right now. Well, I've been in the business for 40 years, both federal loans and private loans, as a financial advisor, as a CFO, and as an investment banker. So I've seen it from different uh, perspectives, but you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, before we get on the air, I've never seen anything where we've been 36 million borrowers uh, being in uh, a non-repayment status in all the years I've been in the business. And we have people that are in school and they're not paying because of deferment or forbearance, uh, but eventually they go back in repayment. So. What we have going on right now is, uh, you know, last month interest started accruing for the first time since March of 2020. Uh, this month, people begin to make or have begun to make payments uh, for their federal student loans for the first time since 2020. What's interesting is, you know, about one third of the 36 million have never made a student loan payment because they graduated in 2020, 21, 22, 23. So they've never had to make a payment. The rest of the group, you know, was in repayment and then went into administrative forbearance because of the CARES Act and COVID. So they will begin to restart making payments again. But the interesting thing is whether you paid before or you're paying for the first time, everybody's got to do a couple of things to uh, get started again or to start. Yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of the not yet graduated student these last great. few years. That's, yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so what are the things you have to do in order well, to- one of, the, one of the first things you have to do is go to www.studentaid.gov and get on there and make sure that the U.S. Department of Education and their contract servicer has your updated, you know, email address, phone number, and mailing address. 
so that they can contact you and you can know who it is that you're supposed to be making your payments to. And so that's the first thing they do. Then the other words of wisdom I have for all the borrowers that I talk to is threefold. Be prepared, be proactive, and be patient. And mm -hmm. the be prepared part is, you know, one, you know, going to the website and signing up. Uh, and, and the be proactive part is once you get to that website, you go to that section that says, are you repaying for the first time? Or are you going to repayment again? And click on those respective buttons to go learn and see what you're supposed to do. And then after you've done that, the, on that same website, if you are concerned about your ability to repay the loans, you can you know, go to their calculator and simulator and look and see if there is a repayment program different from the standard repayment program that you should qualify or may qualify for. And so that would be like the repay program that's been around for a while, uh, the public loan, uh, public service loan forgiveness program, and then the new program called the SAVE program that the president announced back on June 30th uh, when the Supreme Court struck down his proposed forgiveness program. So the, the, the student loan forgiveness for public service, can you shed a little bit of light on that? Because I thought there yeah, were kind of recent changes maybe about how that program was even being run. That program has been around for a long time. And you've heard a lot about it in the, in the news over the last couple of months because they have been doing a better job of processing the applications in a timely fashion for people that have been in that program for a long time that are now qualifying for, for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, that kind of program is for someone that works for a nonprofit or works for a local state or federal government. Uh, there's an opportunity, you know, with teachers or firemen or policemen. So, you know, you really have to have a designated public service aspect to your job to be the, you know, the qualification for participating in that particular program. Uh, the other programs, Repay and the new SAVE program, don't have that sort of nexus uh, that uh, the public service program has. Now, we talked a little bit about the federal loan stuff. One of the other things that most people don't realize is that about 10% of the 36 million people that are going back into repayment on their federal loans also have private loans. Mm -hmm. And so people are some people are going to be making two payments this month for the first time, rather than just the one private loan payment that they've been making for the last couple of years, because those did not go into the administrative forbearance status that the federal loans uh, went into. So those people are going to be in an interesting position because your average loan size, uh, or I should say your average loan repayment for your federal loan is going to be about $245 to $275 if you have an undergraduate degree, about $500 if you have a uh, undergraduate and a graduate degree. And if you have couples out there that are married that have undergraduate and graduate degrees, they're going to be making a loan a mortgage payment or a rent payment 
between the two of them if in fact they don't you know sign up for or don't qualify for one of the income contingent or income driven repayment programs right do you want to share anything about the save program uh the save program you know the, the, it it's an option for people to more people to qualify i guess is the bottom line and uh it has to do with you know particularly on the lower end of the economic scale they've raised the exemption uh in order to so it's gone from like 150 percent of of the poverty level to 225 percent of the poverty level before you qualify to have to make a payment so if you fall below those lines you know that you have a zero payment okay. um and so that's that's one of the big things if you have you know twelve thousand dollars or less in uh, uh loan balances still remaining on your federal loan you know you're going to see forgiveness in 10 years instead of 20 years uh so those are two of the major changes uh from from that perspective on this on the save program and the other thing is that you know the administration is giving a one-year ramp up period is what they're calling it so that if you get to the point of being 75 days delinquent uh they're automatically going to enroll you in the save program and they're not going to be uh reporting to the credit bureaus for up to a year uh if you're delinquent so uh that's sort of one of the, one of their compromise positions since the forgiveness program that they proposed was declared unconstitutional because it didn't fall within the guidelines of the higher education act of 1965 as amended what it, their proposal was based upon was on the cares act which was passed back when the beginning of you know right around 911 and it didn't have the legislative foundation or you know the congressional approval process to be a forgiveness program um that is really interesting too when i think about what some of the pieces of forgiveness there are a lot of different qualifications there's a, some clearly benefits for people that qualify and fall into the categories that are needed um the credit bureau and the credit agency and the delinquency like that's with the amount of student loan debt that some people have it can be really crippling like you said to even know how to manage a budget to be able to build in what's needed to get any kind of momentum on it for now let's take a quick break and we can maybe dive into that i'd love to hear your ideas on that when we return we'll be right back after a short break Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And my guest today is Jack Wallace, Director of Governmental and Lender Relations at YReFi. And he's sharing information about student loans. And in light of the fact that the forgiveness proposal did not move get moved forward, just you know, where where payers can can really go to, to to help them get some headway on the loans that that are going to have to be paid. 
So Jack, why don't you kind of tell us some ideas about how to budget around and what are some of the like tax um, advantages that you can take advantage of? Sure. One of the big things, uh, Heather, is the fact that, you know, people have had excess income over the course of the last three and a half years. You know, it started with the federal government payments that were paid to people to mm -hmm. stay home back in the day. Uh, people have not had to make loan payments. In fact, out of the 36 million people with federal student loans, only 600,000 people over the course of the last three and a half years actually made payments. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't make payments. And unfortunately, Heather, they didn't save the money that they were right. supposed to spend on loan payments. In fact, if, uh, I was on a call recently with TransUnion, and they've done a, a couple of deep dives into the 36 million bars that, you know, they have on their system. You know, and they found not only did the people not save the money, but they went out and got more credit. So mm -hmm. that you have a, a number of people uh, about, I think, one third of the 36 million got out and get, went out and got more credit. And recently, in a call that was held earlier this month, we're starting to see delinquencies in that group of people on their non-student loan debt at about 10 percent. And I was at a meeting uh, this morning. Uh, with the the asset the asset backed securities uh, group industry, and they're already talking as well on seeing you know auto loans, which is usually a you know people pay their auto loan and their mortgages first and second, depending mm -hmm. upon what they do, and now they're starting to see delinquencies in more in uh, auto loans as well as other unsecured consumer assets. So, you know, the we talked about, you know, the average payment size, you know, the excess cash that people have available averages, you know, three to five hundred dollars a month. That's going to go away with right. the repayment program that's going on. So so what can we do? You know, you got to adjust your budget. You're not going to be going out to dinner as much. You know, the online spending is going to have to change with the shopping or whatever you're doing. Um, and then we've got a couple of tips for people that are listening to your show. And one of them is there is a very unknown provision in the CARES Act uh, that was there that permits borrowers with federal student loans to repay up to $5,250 per tax year for 23, 24, and 25, and then it expires unless Congress extends it. And they can do that with pre-tax dollars. So if you have a job, you know, as, as part of being proactive, go to your employer after, you know, they listen to your broadcast and say, hey, I want to sign up for this program. And, you know, let, unfortunately, you know, and I've, I've done a couple of interviews around the country, less than 10 or 15 percent of the corporations are actually uh, offering this program. So what they can do is the uh, the listener that has a federal student loan or private loan can tell them the you know the HR department to go look up section 127 of the IRS code and sign up for the program so they can offer it so your listeners can take advantage of it for this particular tax year and for 24 and 25 so that's five thousand two hundred fifty dollars 
that they'll be able to pay with pre-tax dollars, which as we all know, paying with pre-tax dollars is always better than paying with net after-tax dollars. Exactly. So yeah. so that has to run through payroll. That can't just, that doesn't correct. end up being yes. like a line item on the tax return. That's, that is correct. It has okay. to run through payroll. Yeah. Yeah. That is a so, really important. So, important so for your borrowers and then also for your corporate mm -hmm. treasurers or HR people or your small business people, because it, it doesn't distinguish the size of the corporation or employer that can offer this program. Let's do it so we can help people uh, repay their student loans. That's great. You know, do you have um, any uh, explanation or insights on the piece of the Secure Act 2.0, I believe, that was going to allow employers to do matching dollars into a 401k to match student loan payments that were being made. Are you? Yeah, I'm not an expert and I've heard about that and I'd have to defer to you and your colleagues <laughs> on that one. I'm yeah. aware of that, but I'm not an expert in, in that particular one. Yeah, the, the concept there is that, you know, there's, like you had just mentioned, when you have to start, when you are paying down the student loans that you owe, right? And then when that comes back in, that's going to be a payment that's going to reduce what you have available to spend slash save, right? So if there's somebody who maybe cannot um, find it in their cash flow to pay down all of their different obligations, including their student loans, they don't have enough extra to be able to say, save for retirement. They're not getting those matching dollars from their employer because they're not right. saving in the 401k. So this this piece, and I'm not really sure how or when that's going to go into place, but was going to allow employers the option to give the matching dollars if they if they paid student loans up to the same you know matching system they have set up for contributions. Yeah, so that may be included in Section 127 of the IRS code. Mm -hmm. uh, under educational assistance, but I'm not sure. I we'd have to defer okay. to a, yeah. one of your other experts. Yeah, yeah, but I think some of these different features that are going into place are taking some time um, to to put in, and that's outside of just student loan things that we're seeing with some of the recent legislation. So other other things about um, being able to pay back. Yeah, right? uh, for the for the four million people. Uh, that may have a lot of private, people, Jack. You know, one of the things that we uh, recommend uh, is that they look at the potential for refinancing their private loans with their lender or with another lender uh, to uh, one uh, fix the rate from a floating rate because some of these uh, loans with people with you know good credit, so it's not excellent credit. Uh, but good credit, um, you know, are paying 16 and a half, 17, 18% because of the, you know, 500 basis points and in interest rate increases we've had over the course of the last year or year and a half from the Federal Reserve Bank. So the benefit of refinancing today isn't as good as it was last, you know, April of 2022 when the Fed started to raise rates. But it's worth looking at it because maybe today you've got excellent credit that you didn't have when you took out the loan originally. So because of your better credit position, you're going to get a better rate. Or 
if you're paying a ridiculously high floating rate, you'll get the opportunity to go into a fixed rate, which will be substantially less than the floating rate. And, you know, there's no limit on the amount of times you can refinance a private student loan. So, you know, we, you know, and, and I know your history, I think, was uh, the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank. So you probably <laughs> yeah. have more insight into this than I do. But, you know, from what I'm hearing from my uh, industry contacts is that, you know, we may see another rate increase or two, depending upon where inflation is, you know, and, and where the economy is going. Uh, and then we're not going to see an interest rate reduction for perhaps a year or two. So, you know, it may be worth it to get the fixed rate done. And then if rates begin to drop to reassess that situation in a year or two. I mean, it's definitely going to be higher for longer when it comes to the rates right now is what, you know, the real kind of mantra is. And you're right. The Fed is using its tool of interest rates to try to regulate spending, basically, right? Having us save more, making spending a little bit more expensive um, when it comes right. to financing things in order to bring inflation down while right. keeping and employment and, you know, prices and employment stable. So, you know, that being said, um, refinancing, just like with a home, right. having something fixed is oftentimes, it's just an easier way to plan, right? right? There's more right. knowns there. So refinance now, and then if rates come down or when they come down in a while, and then look to see what your opportunities are then. Right. And again, you know, as we said, you know, your credit may be a lot better today than it was when you took those loans out when you were in school. So right, if, you, if you bumped up from that good to the excellent credit category, you know, there's a major differential in the pricing, whether it's floating or fixed rate, uh, moving from that one category of credit to a, the higher level category of credit. Yeah. Right, right. And and you think about what the goal of having a college degree is to be able to, to have a career that's going to be... Um, something that's worth spending that time and, and money and investment into the education. So you would hope that, you know, at least some borrowers are in a better position now on their credit score if they made, you know, kind of prudent right. and wise decisions along the way. Well, let's take another short break and we will talk more about this when we return. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group, and my guest today is Jack Wallace, Director of Governmental and Lender Relations at Y-Refi, and we are talking about student loan debt and forgiveness and repayments starting um, and all those things. So let's let's get back into it here, Jack. Um, I did just say we were talking about student loan forgiveness. So where is that ever going to come? <laughs> well, as as I said earlier, uh, it's not coming anytime soon. Right, uh, at all, right? I mean, I mean, right now, the Biden administration began a process earlier this month to revisit student loan forgiveness that they had promised people for a year or two or three. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court, as we talked earlier, struck it down 6-3 because the foundation upon which it was meant to be, the Higher Education Act of 65, 
was not the foundation that the Biden administration was using. So that's why it was declared, you know, unconstitutional. So we need an act of Congress or we need the Biden administration to reframe any forgiveness program that is based upon the Higher Education Act of 65 as amended. So okay. that, you know, either Congress has got to act and they're not doing much of anything these days. Mm -hmm. uh, and even with conversations I've had with the committee chairman in the House, uh, Chairwoman Fox in North Carolina, and with uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, uh, he's more focused on health care. She's more focused on the Higher Education Act stuff. The Republican senators on the committee are interested in doing higher education reform, but Bernie seems to be more concerned about healthcare stuff and not the higher ed stuff. So I don't see Congress getting into the mix on forgiveness here. So mm -hmm. there's a there's a three-month study going on right now uh, on what they call the Notice of Proposed Rulemaking in Washington to discuss uh, a new forgiveness program, but you know who knows when they're gonna come out with something but it's not going to be anytime soon uh, because people have to start making their payments this month uh, to get that done. Now, you know, one of the other things is that a lot of people talk, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay my loan back, you know? And, and so two things, uh, one is um, it's what we called during the great recession, a strategic default in okay. the back in the day. And I've invoked mm -hmm. uh, those words. You can call it boycotting, you can call it whatever you want. Um, but, you know, strategic default is not an option here because of the fact that um, bankruptcy uh, protects, the only asset that a bankruptcy protects amongst the consumer assets are, are federal and private student loans. So you can't bankrupt out of your federal private student loan. So it doesn't make any sense to get involved in that stuff right now. Uh, and so just, you know, go to the www.studentaid.gov and pick out a program that works for you and make your payments. You know, and, and you talked earlier about, you know, the impact on the U.S. Treasury. I mean, you know, the Treasury was missing about five to six billion dollars a month in cash because of the lack of repayment of loans or the lack of payment of interest. And as we come up against that, what, November 17th date on, you know, the debt ceiling again, you know, you know, a billion here and a billion here starts to add up in a good way with loans being in repayment and helping towards the treasury. But yeah, that's, that's, that's another issue that we, we, uh, some people are concerned about, particularly those that don't have student loans. Right, right, or they paid them off already. Right. You know, there's a lot of, there's so many other, so many additional things going on in the country and in the world. There's, there's, um, it's a lot of different moving parts. And so for the attention right. to come back on a forgiveness program is, is probably more unlikely um, and the focus on on what's been kind of missed out on isn't probably going to go away much either when it comes to the the income to the government. I'd say that that's kind of a, a situation that that's probably not going to get solved anytime soon. 
I agree with you. Yeah. But so if you try to just default on it, it's you can't you can't declare bankruptcy because of that. So right. it's and, just going to be a debt that's still there, expected to be paid. Right. It's not going to go away. I mean, you know, what's going to happen because of what the Biden administration did with the same program about having a one year ramp up period. You're not going to feel the impact of that this year, but you're going to feel the impact of that. And, you know, you still have to be concerned with what your credit score is. Right. You know, because you're going to have, you know, you may want to buy a car or buy a house or some other thing. And you don't want, you know, a year from now or actually not even a year from now. 11 months from now to have a you know new default on your credit bureau and as i said you know you're not going to be able to bankrupt out of that because the only thing left after a bankruptcy in consumer assets is the liability of your federal or private student loan right. so. yeah well and i think then that uh credit score is something that takes a long time to get back up to right. you know and also as a whole different set of strategies to go through and right. work yeah, for sure. So right. that's something to definitely watch. You know, when it comes to some of the other payment plans, did you want to take a couple of minutes and talk through what to really think through when you choose a payment plan through studentaid.com? It, it, it really, uh, it's a function of where you are uh, from a cash flow and an income standpoint. So it gets too nitty gritty to to go into that stuff other than the public loan forgiveness program uh, and the save program. And actually what's gonna happen is that the federal government, the US Department of Education is going to move everyone from the repay program, which has been around for a number of years into the save program. And we haven't seen <clears throat> new numbers as of the month of September, but as of in anticipation of interest accruing in September last month, about 4 million people moved into the new SAVE program. And it was taking about a one month period of time to get processed into that program. So another word of wisdom, or two more words of wisdom, one is in being proactive, you know, don't try and call your servicer. Don't try and call, you know, your department of the U.S. Department of Education because the phone lines are, are you know, you're going to be on there forever. So don't get frustrated. Just do it all online, and 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 you'll be in you'll be in good shape by uh, by doing it that way. And the second word of wisdom. So the second point is is to use the calculators on www.studentaid.gov. And you'll be actually able to calculate what your monthly payment will be based upon your particular income and cash flow status. And that'll be important in making your decisions on how to, you know, play with and adjust your discretionary spending, you know, uh, going forward and going forward means as of this month of October. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to, to, think for for borrowers to take back on and and it's just because of after this like long break where they have had some more flexibility this goes back into what they originally had signed up for and understood um you know that they did have to start making these payments as of you know whatever the what kind of wherever they were with 
what loans they had as to whether it was, you know, interest only or whether that was accruing or, or waiting till six months after you stopped school. But I think that, you know, with this break, it's just going to be, again, it's all a commitment that, that the borrowers signed up for. I understand that, but uh, it's just a something that has to get kind of refigured out for their own personal situation. And the other thing they may want to do, which will bring some fiscal discipline or financial discipline to the household, is to sign up so it becomes a monthly deduction. And so you sign up with the department and the servicer with their ACH program, so it automatically gets deducted from your account. And the other thing of doing that, uh, Heather, as you know, is that'll help your credit score. You know, because you're not going to be delinquent uh, on your payment, and that's going to help bump up your credit score. You know, reducing your debt and making payments on time is going to help the credit score, which means your interest rate on, you know, other consumer assets that you may want to purchase or invest in, you know, hopefully your interest rates will be lower once, uh, you know, because of your credit getting better. And or with the Federal Reserve eventually uh, having rates come down in a year or two. Yep. And even, you know, credit score even impacts whether or not you can get a lease at an apartment. Right. You know, even if you aren't looking to buy a house anytime soon or ever, it still can impact right. those things. You know, well, well, the clients right. we work with, it's all about cash flow tracking, too. So, you know, if you can go backwards even the last six months and see kind of what came in and what went out and where did it go, that's going to really help highlight in your own personal situation, like, where do I need to trim? Where should I trim? You know, what right. kind of like lifestyle creep have I has, have I now had where I'm spending, whether it's more on dining out or um, or personal, you know, shopping like clothes or if it's travel. You know, having to kind of get back into this other rhythm is going to be a, a thing. And even when we work with clients on just how to save and pay off any kind of debt, you know, that's definitely what we look at is suggest that they look at what comes in, what goes out and what's it going to. Well, and look, I saw an, an article the other day that said, you know, this younger generation, 50 for 49 percent of them are still living at home. Well, look, if you want to get out and get your own place. You know, there's a when you go apply, there's a usually a guideline, depending upon what city you live in, that you've got to have, you know, one and a half to two and a half to now in some cities, three times, you know, the earnings that your uh, your rent's going to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the ways you can help yourself with that is getting the spending under control yep, and getting sure. some fiscal, fiscal discipline there. So, yeah. Let's take another short break and then we will return and, and wrap things up on, you know, what I like am interested in is how do new potential borrowers need to look at things differently. So okay. we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And my guest today is Jack Wallace, Director of Governmental and Lender Relations at YReFi. He's an expert on student loans and student loan forgiveness and many things like that. We've talked about a bunch of stuff. And what I would like to have our listeners um, be able to know more about is what about like new students, whether you're finishing up high school or maybe you're in 
school, but you know, each year you're getting new loans to help pay, you know, whether it's the student or the parent. Do you want to give us some insights into what to know about student loans before you take them on? Well, as, as you may know from having kids in college that you have to fill out a FAFSA every year in order to get into the, the, the financial aid process, mm -hmm. whether that's going to be grants or whether it's going to be work study or whether it's going to be loans, that has to be filled out. And the Congress passed in about 2021 the FAFSA simplification process that is going to create a new FAFSA form released by the U.S. Department of Education sometime in December. Now, I, I met in Washington in, in September with the chief operating officer of the department, and they're still claiming it's going to be out in December. Uh, the good news is that it's going to have two-thirds fewer questions on it than the old forms that we're used to filling out. So it's going to be about 36 or 38 questions instead of 108 questions. Uh, so it'll take less time. Uh, there'll be less financial disclosure that you and your child are going to have to share because the IRS is going to make it mandatory that they will check uh, your tax status and information uh, directly through the, the Department of Education and the IRS. So you won't have to have, you know, it, it was always embarrassing when my kids were in college to have to talk about gross income and some other stuff. So that, that stuff is gone. Okay. And now, the, the, as I said, the bad news is for those of us that had more than one kid in college at the same time, that benefit uh, of, of getting a little bit of extra credit cash wise is going away. Mm -hmm. uh, so you only have, you know, uh, the, the benefit, even though you've got two or three kids in college, uh, you won't have that $3,600 or $4,000 benefit that we used to we used to get. So that's coming in December. You know, whether people take out loans or whether they be federal loans or private loans, uh, obviously is a function of what school you go to. If you go to community college, you know, the Pell Grant uh, program should help you pretty well. You know, the ability for uh, students to get direct lending loans uh, in their name that are subsidized will help them. As you progress from a community college to a four-year public or four-year private, your decision-making changes a little bit. Um, you know, some of the four-year publics are still very cost-effective, but you may need a little bit of a contribution from the parent. And so the Parent PLUS program uh, is still around. Uh, now, if you got a kid going, like my kids went to private school, so my tuitions, you know, uh, were off mm -hmm. the charts. And so, you know, I looked at federal loans and private loans. And in some instances, it made sense. Like right now, if you have a parent that has great credit, prime credit, they may be better off getting a private loan from an interest rate perspective, from a fee perspective, upfront origination fee, than getting a federal loan program. And we, even though interest rates have gone up, because of the way that the federal uh, loan program sets their rates, the last treasury auction in May, you know, there are some benefits right now with prime credit parents to get a private loan and have a cheaper rate 
than to have a federal loan. Now you give up some of the benefits, uh, but you know, two percent on a loan that could be you know forty to one hundred and sixty or two hundred grand, you know, is not an odd one as we would say on Wall Street. You know, so that that would be some considerations. And the other thing is, you know, right now get uh, you know the kids to get online. And instead of, you know, shopping or watching movies to go look at the scholarship search engines that are out there, because remember, the money is around for the first most of the money is around for the first three months that the FAFSA becomes filed and is effective. So you don't want to wait. You want them to be online now looking to see what the options are for uh, scholarships and, and what have you. And and write them down so when we're ready to do the fast, or when it comes out in December, you know that's the next stop on what we're doing. The other thing about fast for this year is that, and you know this may be a, a bad thing for the parents because it means more application fees. But the fast, which used to be able to go to ten schools, is now going to be able to go to twenty schools. So oh, you know, sure. that's a, yeah, so that you know just means more application <laughs> fees, you know. So I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder who the uh, the proponent of that stuff. Is. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. And my one of my kids wanted to apply at a lot of schools, and we really had yeah. to think of who was on Common App, and right. which ones were free, and if there was right. a cost involved, how likely were they to go yeah. with it, even if they got it right? And, and, and who's going to pay for the application for the school that you know you're not going to get into? Right, you know? the Reach so. School. I think my son right. applied for USC. That right. Was kind of <laughs> Exactly. Well, exactly. Jack, this has just been great. You know, while we kind of wrap up the conversation, um, do you have uh, a way for people to get in touch with you or do you have, um, you know, a, a, a LinkedIn profile where you post things? Well, we can go to, they can go to www.yrefy.com. And that's our, our website. And, uh, you know, they can, uh, find me there or, or one of our staff there. Um, as I said, we specialize in the private loan stuff more than the federal loan stuff. But, you know, I, I'd have them contact you and you can contact me and we can do Absolutely. this again. Or if you want to send email, if they want to send you emails, uh, I which I've got them on to you, people, you mm -hmm. can forward to me and I'd be happy to answer in a very timely uh, fashion yeah. the, uh, the answers to the questions that they have. Remember, we don't give legal or tax advice. Mm -hmm. So these are just mm -hmm. suggestions that they need to talk about their lawyer or their accounting firm or financial advisor, like what you guys do. So, yeah. but yeah, when it comes to student loans, we'd be happy to help. Yeah, that's great. And, and you're right, you know, with your specialization in the private student loans, there are a lot of those out there too, you know, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, maybe chose that route versus the federal if they were say unsubsidized and it was a better idea for the to right. just go private right. or if right. the, the federal wasn't granted large enough. And, and if those people find themselves in a difficult financial position, you know, we can definitely help those people to perhaps restructure their loan, their private loan only, right. private student loan, and At help least them to, lower the monthly payment. So, yeah, yeah, get some ideas on what, what could be done. Right. Well, right. thank you again, Jack. This was just great. I really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Well, Heather, thank you for having me. Good luck to you and to your viewers and look forward to chatting with you soon. That sounds great. 
And uh, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. If you like today's show and you want to know more, you can visit www.ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being as always. Uh, remember before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.